Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Kalamazoo, Michigan campus. For more info on the church, visit newdaycommunity.org. That's what the series is uh, for this month. And particularly, we're not going to be talking about tithing or giving. Uh, We did a series on that, actually, I think last year, maybe the year before, um, Actually, I don't talk on money a lot. I, I don't like talking about money. Uh, I don't even like money. I like spending money. <laughs> so anyway, uh, it is an important thing. But I, I just felt during worship I wanted to express my gratitude and thankfulness for each and every one of you. Thank you for being New Day Community Church. Thank you for choosing. You know, there's, there's uh, up to 300 churches within uh, our county. And you could have gone to any one of those, and, and for whatever reason, uh, you're here, and that means a lot to me, it means a lot to one another, and you're an important part of, of this congregation and what God's doing. So I just wanted to just be, uh, express my gratitude. <clears throat> We're transitioning, this is the first week of the new series. Last week, last month we talked about sex. Yeah. Is that good? <clears throat> All right, last week was a dynamic message by the Vencers on the issue of pornography. And all those uh, messages are online. If you want to listen to them, you can do that. Uh, This month, looking at uh, finances and money. This week, looking at wealth and godliness, kind of a general term. And uh, we're going to jump into that. There we go. So Martin Luther, how many know who Martin Luther? Not Martin Luther King, but Martin Luther. Lived in the 1500s, led the Reformation, one of the leaders of the Reformation. And uh, I came across this quote. He lived in the 1500s. He said, there are three conversions a person needs to experience. The conversion of the head. So when when you get the idea, you understand what's going on. The conversion of the heart which is when it becomes real and, and uh, 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 true to you. And you can just give that right to me there, Tom. Thanks. So in here are all the cards of which we will take the drawing uh, at some point during the service <coughs> if there's a lull in the attention span. <coughs> we will turn to that. <coughs> you can all be praying <laughs> that your card is drawn. Conversion of the head, and then the conversion of the pocketbook. And I thought, wow, Martin Luther, bam, he had a way with words. How many have have, uh, read something that Martin Luther has written? Yeah, not his songs. (laughs) Read one of his books. He was quite a character. (laughs) I don't think people would like him today if he lived. Um, uh, Somebody that that people do like is a guy named Greg Laurie. I don't know if any of you are familiar with him. He's a very famous radio preacher, big, huge church out in California. But I came across this, some good points. Money is the main subject of nearly half of the parables Jesus told. Apparently Jesus didn't mind talking about money, even though I do. Uh, One in seven verses in the New Testament deals with this topic. Yeah, um, <clears throat> the Bible has about 500 verses on prayer, fewer than 500 verses that specifically mention the, the word faith, but more than 2,000 verses on money. 15% of everything Jesus taught was on the topic of money and possessions. That's a significant portion, isn't it? So why is there such an emphasis on money and possessions 
and uh, Gregory points out that there's a fundamental connection between our spiritual lives and how we think and handle money. And I, I think that it kind of goes two ways there. Our spiritual lives influence how we handle uh, and think about finances, but how we handle and, tr- and, and deal with our finances also has an effect on our spirit. Uh, Does that make sense? It kinda, they're interconnected is, is the main reason. Now, since we're talking about wealth, I wanted to give us kind of a, a, a big picture view of <clears throat> what we're really talking about. And this diagram illustrates the distribution of wealth worldwide. How many remember the 1% to protest uh, uh, last year? The 99. The 99. You know, we are the 99%. Well, this is not Americans, uh, the 99% of America. This is the world wealth, okay? And that top uh, triangle there, that little teeny bit on the very top is about 300 million people. And that's the number of people in the world that live on $20,000 or more a year. $20,000 or more. Yes puts you in the very top of the top of the top of the wealthiest people in the world. Which means that most Americans and most of us are some of the wealthiest people in the world. And this is something we really need to embrace. Because I I say this kind of in a joking manner, but I'm dead serious. When you get before Jesus on Judgment Day, you're going to be one of the wealthiest people that ever lived. You're going to have more you have greater access to more uh, uh, resources and knowledge and uh, power than basically anyone in the in the Bible, certainly, and most of anyone in all of history. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so then we have the next section. It's one point seven, almost two billion people live on twenty thousand dollars a year or less, and they're considered, you know, really. Uh, somewhat prosperous. And then we have a billion people that live on under $1,500 a year, and they're the poor people. We have very poor living on 360 to $730 a year, and about 2 billion people. And then we have a, a billion people, a billion, that's more than three times the population of the United States, that live on a dollar a day. A dollar a day. And so, it kind of I hope that this graphic, and you can do a lot of research into all this, uh, kind of shakes us into understanding how absolutely wealthy we are. One of the things I say is even the poorest uh, of the poor in America are wealthier than most of the world just simply because they have access to drinkable water. <laughs> you know? Uh, as well as many other things. But, you know, it doesn't feel this way <laughs> living in America. Because this chart, and it's a little harder to read, but I hope you can make it out, uh, kind of points out where you are in, in America and, and, and our immediate context. You, know, you can experience the other thing, and I do encourage you, go to a third world country. Where, where you, you know, walk, come with me to Morocco. I hope to go within the next year or two. Or, another, or go to India, where you see people dying on the streets because they're of starvation. It, it really it shakes you. Uh, but this is what we see, and this is a uh, chart showing the income uh, of Americans. 
And, you know, how close are you to the top 1%? And so the average household income in Kalamazoo County and southwest Michigan is around, right around 44000 And so if your household income is around 44000 you're just, you're, that's the mean income. The same number of people make more than that as make less than that, which actually puts you... Uh, in the bottom 43%. So all of a sudden, you know, worldwide, we're in the top. But when we look around Kalamazoo or where we're driving, we're actually kind of in the bottom half. And then, you know, if you're standing here, this is what you see. <laughs> right? You generally aren't looking down below, but you're seeing, oh gosh, they have a better car, they have a better house, they have bigger vacations, they do all this, and here I am just struggling to get by, even though worldwide we're really, really wealthy. And I hope that just helps you kind of get a picture of wealth involves really all, every aspect of your lifestyle. It affects every aspect of your lifestyle, and boy, it really differs a lot uh, when you compare your lifestyle with the lifestyle of other people in our region, and our country, and then the world, all right? So that's, that's wealth, that's what we're talking about, not just money in and of itself. Another person who said something about money is Moses, all right? And he lived and spoke about 1,300 years before Jesus, all right? So that's a long time ago. And he said, and this is the main verse of my message today, and... Uh, I really want this is I want you to get this verse. It says beware at least you say in your heart my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. <clears throat> so this is Moses talking to the people of Israel just before they enter into the promised land. And if you don't know this about the, the, the book of Deuteronomy in the Bible, it's a very important thing to understand, is that the Deuteronomy, the book of Deuteronomy, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, is, is actually like the second telling of the law. And it's a compilation of, of basic, it's mostly a compilation of sermons that Moses gave, all right, speeches to the people of Israel before he died and before Joshua took over and took them into the promised land. And so it's, it, it sums up the law. The law was given early on after the Exodus and Mount Sinai, and, uh, and all the other uh, uh, experiences that they had, but then they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. Well, this is at the end of that 40 years that they're about to go in, and he's repeating it. <clears throat> and so, and this is an important part, this is actually the, the, uh, the <clears throat> summary of the main point of this section of, of Deuteronomy, that uh, it's God who gives us the power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant. But in order to understand what this means, both to the Israelites who were hearing it all those years ago, and also what this means as God's eternal word to all of his followers, which is you and I today, how, what does this mean for us today? We need to understand this verse in the context that it was originally told. Does that make sense? Yeah. <clears throat> and so I'm going to do something I normally don't do. I'm going to read a whole chapter 
of the Bible. <laughs> because we need the rest of the story. We need to see how this fits in. This, this incredible promise that, uh, that God makes through the prophet Moses <clears throat> about having wealth and prosperity. So let's start at the beginning of, of, of chapter 8 of Deuteronomy. He says, The whole commandment that I command you today... This is Moses speaking to the Israelites as he, just after he had kind of summed up all of the Ten Commandments and the law and the giving of the law. And he says, all of that that I command you today, you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you, and he let you hunger, and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. <clears throat> One thing just to interject. I'm going to try not to interject. I've already held back about six times. <laughs> but there's so many quotes that Jesus, you, you think are Jesus' words. But Jesus is actually quoting Moses. Alright. Yeah. Uh, so, so that's in the, in the Sermon on the Mount. But it's a quote. <clears throat> Your clothing did not wear out on you. And your, food, uh, and your foot did not swell these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines you. And so what I'm hoping you see as I'm reading through here is, is the process that God led them through and how God interacted or treated them, all right? In the wilderness, in the hunger, in the discipline, he goes on, he says, So you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and by fearing him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and, and springs, flowing out of the valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive trees and honey, a land in which you will eat bread, thank God, <laughs> Glutenful bread. <No. coughs> Non-GMO, right? <coughs> Without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron, and out of whose hills you can dig copper. And you shall eat and be full, and you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Take care, lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes, uh, which I command you today, lest when you have eaten... And you're full and have built good houses and live in them. And when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water, uh, who brought you water out of the flinty rock, 
who fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and test you to do you good in the end. He did all of that with the intention to do you good in the end. And for these people who are hearing this, this wasn't something that happened thousands of years ago. All this stuff had just happened over their lifetime and their parents' lifetime. It goes on. And it says, then he goes on and concludes it with, so beware, lest you say in your heart, my power uh, and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it's he who gives you the power to get wealth that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. And so that's that verse in its setting. That it, it, it really has a lot of context. And uh, it's part of a bigger story. Uh, it's the fulfillment, this, this amazing promise of, of wealth and God being um, uh, covenanting to uh, give them the power to make wealth is really the fulfillment of promises made many, many centuries earlier. And it's actually coming after, and this is another part you've got to remember, <laughs> is after they had spent 400 years as slaves in Egypt. All right? So for their entire, as long as they could remember, their whole race had been enslaved in Egypt for 400 years. And then the most the immediate historical context is that for the last 40 years these people were wandering in the wilderness. They were homeless. All right? Totally dependent on God to provide their food. And remember all of the people that came out of Egypt died except for two. Uh, uh the youngest ones were allowed to live, right? Who are the two that that uh, Caleb and Joshua, good job. <clears throat> Caleb and Joshua, they had faith. They went into the promised land. So they'd wandered in the wilderness. Even though God provides supernaturally, they wandered for 40 years. God thinks generationally. We think instantaneously. All right? And so the promises of God about wealth in Scripture, and there are many, are true and they apply but we have to understand them in and consistent with the character of God. And that he's thinking generationally. Alright? So, my question is, and as we're talking through this, where are you in the story? Alright? So that verse applies to us today. And we're going to talk the rest of the sermon about how it applies to us today. But really, the whole story applies to us. And the whole story is, wow, they started out in slavery for hundreds of years and then in wilderness for 40 years, right? And during that time, lots of things happened. During that time, there was miraculous provision. There was deliverance, right? There was the ten plagues and then how God rescued them. There was the encounter at the mountain of Sinai and the giving of the law and all that stuff. But then there was years of wandering in the wilderness and every now and then the people would just say, we're fed up with this. We're sick of manna. Give us some meat. Right? <laughs> and, and God would respond to that. And then there would be a complaint. There would be, you know, division within the... Tr uh, people would complain about the leadership. <laughs> Did you know that? 
That's what they complain about most is leadership. So one, one time God opened up the ground and swallowed, what was it, 30 or 40,000 of them? <laughs> like, <laughs> that's a church split. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All right, maybe I should do the. <laughs> All right, the main point. So the idea is, and then, and then, and then, when Moses is talking, then they're they're at the border of the promised land. They'd made it through all of that, and they're about to go into the promised land. And then they go into the promised land, and these words were really about once you're in there, and once you have houses and income. And food in the refrigerator, <laughs> of a refrigerator, okay, and lights and running water, okay, okay, then how you respond, that's what that verse is talking about. But all of us are in different places of the story. And the main point of the story is that it's God's intention to bring everyone to a place where they can prosper. I believe that wholeheartedly uh, and empower them to do so. But that intention is implemented throughout the course of your lifetime and throughout the course of generations. Um, <clears throat> all right. For it is he who gives you power to get wealth that he may confirm his covenant. What I want to do is zoom in to this verse and kind of look at several statements in this verse so we can understand it fully. Because what I want you to remember from this sermon is this verse. <laughs> okay? Let's read it out loud. Say, for... Is he, let's try it again. One, two, three... For it is he who gives you power to get wealth that he may confirm his covenant. Here we go. <laughs> Sound effect. So power. What is he talking about here? It means strength. It means might. It means vigor. The literal uh, uh, interpretation is, is force. And that's what most of the dictionaries would say. It's, just a, it's a force. It's kind of a general term for any type of force. Figuratively, it means capacity or the means. And God gives the capacity. He gives the, the might. He gives the, the force uh, to uh, get wealth. And it's contrasted with, and the, and the emphasis of this statement is contrasted with the previous verse of the thought that my power and the might of my hand has gotten me all of this. And it was a warning against uh, pride that comes once you have possessions. And, and all of a sudden, you don't need anything. And this is, this is a huge issue. It's why most people have a difficulty uh, um, uh, relying on God because we don't need God in many ways. And it's often not until there's a crisis in our lives, something that we can't just put on the credit card, that we're forced to call out to Him. And, 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 and God doesn't want us to live that way. He wants us to live in a constant state of humility and gratitude, recognizing that all of this is the result of promises that God made to me and to my forefathers and for generations. This is the outworking of a plan that God has had in place for many, many centuries. And there's a big difference between giving wealth and giving the power to get wealth, isn't there? All right? He doesn't say, I'm going to give you wealth. He says, I'm going to give you the power to get wealth. Huge difference. 
So get wealth. What does that mean? It means to do, to make, to produce. This is the get part, to acquire, to accomplish. So we have, we actually are able to produce or accomplish. Uh, and the wealth part is strength, ability, efficiency, uh, wealth, of course, force, again, army, can be literally translated army, so the ability to make an army, the ability to produce strength, all right, uh, or force, yeah, uh, um, uh, uh, to acquire virtue and valor. So those are more um, character traits, uh, where wealth and force are more, you know, just uh, uh, objective uh, possessions, as it were. But it's this idea of producing and acquiring uh, uh, ability, influence, uh, virtue, value. Uh, and it can be used uh, uh, literally to talk about like the ability to gather an army, to raise an army. <clears throat> Some of the translations, this is a good way to figure out what the original language means is to see how the people who really understand the languages translated it. <laughs> and so in several different translations, Good News Bible puts it, it gives you the power to become rich. Pretty straightforward. NIV, produce wealth, to make wealth, or New Living Translation, to be successful. <clears throat> now, each person's definition of wealth is going gonna, is gonna to be unique, isn't it? Because if, if you're living in, in uh, Mozambique right now and in a hut and you're, you've never lived in an actual house, your parents have never lived in a house, your grandparents have never lived in a house, you don't even know what it's like to live in a house, you've never lived anywhere where there's running water, your idea of wealth is a huge difference than, you know, my idea of wealth, right? Or most of the people sitting in this room. All right? So we don't even think about whether or not our, where we live has, ha, is going to have running water. It's not something we, we aspire to. <laughs> okay? Or if you're, uh, you know, one of the people in the upper uh, chart. I got a friend who's a, 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 who many years ago became a millionaire. I don't know how much money he has now. He stopped telling me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he, he says he calls me every now and then uh, he lives in Hawaii uh, uh, I know and uh, he said you know there's always someone wealthier he says the thing he's learned about being in wealthy he's got a lot of wealthy friends a lot of famous people hang out with him uh, he says there, there's always somebody wealthier he says wealthy people just make you know it's, they're just the same as, as people that with uh, regular income they just can make bigger mistakes. Uh, <clears throat> and it, it surprised him how stupid wealthy people are. So do you think that they're, they're, like they're really keen, they're really smart? He says usually they're, they're no more smarter than anybody. In fact, they're often dumber. Right? They just got it through a series of events. <clears throat> so everyone's definition of wealth is unique based on where you are in the story. All right? It just really debate, and where you are personally. Are you in bondage? Are you in wilderness? Are you uh, in a time of complaint and discontent, where it seems like everybody's treating you wrong? Or are you on the cusp of the promised land? Or have you been in the promised land for a few generations? It depends on where you are in the story. 
And then there's another big idea that we need to grasp is that God's idea of wealth is the power to produce, to multiply, to create, really, uh, to, to, to make more of something. But in our culture especially, we think of wealth as the capacity to consume. Wow. Wow. Right? So how much can I consume de- equals how wealthy I am? So what do I mean by con- consumption? Well, that means not only how much you know, stuff can you buy, but you know, I actually own four cars. And all of them, thank God, they're all paid for. One was given to me. <laughs> all right. <laughs> uh, the, the, they, but you know what? They are not wealth. They consume. They don't produce. They produce, carbon, they produce poisonous gas. <laughs> they are constantly, I just paid $1,600 to have one of them fixed. All right. <clears throat> so it can keep taking more money every time I go to the gas station. All right. My house doesn't produce anything. It consumes. All right. It produces junk. All right. And it's an amazing amount of junk comes out of that house. But no wealth comes out of the house. All right? So how we think of wealth needs to be, what am I producing? This is how God thinks of wealth. What are you producing? What are you multiplying? What force are you uh, uh, achieving? All right? Not how much are you consuming. Um, uh, and that's, that's, that's what uh, we need to be looking at and evaluating our life and evaluating uh, wealth in that way. And, and then the last part of that verse was to confirm his covenant, which means to abide by, um, to make good. I like that. God's going to make good on his promise, uh, his covenant, his alliance. <clears throat> the message translated to, to confirm the covenant that he promised, to, uh, to be still faithful today to the covenant. And remember, Moses was talking to a generation uh, many hundred years after uh, the promise was made, but we're talking now thousands of years after the promise, but it's God's character is what's on, on the line here, and God's character is that he's still, still going to be faithful to his promise. And IRV uh, puts it that he stands by the terms of his covenant that he promised. He's going to stand by his terms. So it's all about God keeping his promise, not just to you, Okay, it applies to you, but you have to understand that it's a promise that was given to your forefathers uh, dating, whether or not your individual forefathers were believers or not, once you're in Christ, it applies to the promises made through your forefathers in the faith. Does that make sense? All right. And so it's bigger than you. Just like those people that were about to go into the promised land, what they were inheriting was bigger than them. Right? It was something that God had, had taken many, many centuries to get in place. And you need to see that that's how God looks at your life too. He's positioned you. His purpose is to do you good and to give you power to produce wealth. Wherever you are in the story, that's his, his intention. And you need to step into that. All right? And realize it's about God keeping his promise. And then I love how Paul in the New Testament reaches back. Now Paul writing to Christians like you and I. 
saying, if you are Christ, this is in, in the, in, writing to the church in Galatia, he says, if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring and heirs according to the promise. So now we have a transition here that you as Christians and Christ followers get to tap into or become heirs to the very same promise that Moses was referring to to the Israelites as they are about to go into the promised land. Right? Okay? This is, this is truth. Okay? We, in Christ, are inheritors of the promises made. What promise? The promise to be able to, that God's going to give us the power to produce wealth. Alright? Um, <clears throat> furthermore, in Romans it says, if we're his children, we're his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. And so what that means is that as Christians, as followers, as believers of Jesus Christ, um, the promises are actually greater. The promises that are promised to you, to me, are far greater than those of the uh, Israelites about to go into the promised land. Because it wraps up all of the promises made to Abraham in the Abrahamic covenant and it adds in the promises made to Jesus Christ. We are co-heirs with Christ. We inherit equal with what Jesus Christ inherits. He shares with us all of the spoils. All right? Wow! <clears throat> the response then that I want you to, to walk away with is asking yourself, where, where am I in the story? Am I in bondage? Do I need to get set free? Am I in wilderness time? Do I need just to be faithful during this wilderness and not complain? Am I eat, eating manna every day? <laughs> rice and beans, beans and rice? Or am I on the, on the cusp of prosperity? Of, am I on, almost in the promised land? Can I see it? Or am I actually living in the promised land? And, and in, many material, in a materialistic way, most of us are in the promised land. This is where the rest of the world wants to be, folks. Um, more importantly, am I in covenant relationship with God? Because that is required in every part of the story. If you weren't in covenant relationship with God, they never would have got out of uh, slavery. They would have been left in the wilderness. All right? They wouldn't be allowed into the promised land. And even in the promised land, any prosperity they have would end when their life ends. So the important part, and the, what qualifies us to be inheritors of the promise, is that we're in relationship, covenant relationship with God, that we're keeping our side of the covenant. I want you to go away thinking, well, how do I define wealth? And, and, and what does that really mean in my life in regards to my covenant relationship with God? And then what power has God given me to produce wealth? Am I using it uh, faithfully? And now, in conclusion, we shall have the drawing. I always like to have a kid do it, but there's no kids in here. <clears throat> Herman, you're childlike in many ways. All right. What if Herman draws his own card? <laughs> All right. Close your eyes. Close your eyes. All right. Dig, dig through. Don't take the one on top. Uh, not that one. No, not that one. This yours? <laughs> and the answer is... Jimmy Foster. Ah, Jimmy! Yay! She's, where is she? Je Jimmy, she's bringing in the snacks. Jimmy, guess what? I got your card. Boom! Come on up. Come on. 
Come on down. We need theme music. <laughs> there you go. Bless you. Thank you. Father, we just pray blessing and prosperity. We pray power to produce wealth, that there would be increased multiplication on Jimmy's life and her household. Father, we pray complete freedom from poverty, from debt, and we pray a new, that this would just be a symbol of a new level of, of, of blessing in her life. In Jesus' name. Father, we pray that for each and every person in this room. Father, we pray that the generational blessings that you promised on Abraham would be released upon each and every one of us because we are in Christ and we qualify as inheritors that every promise promised to Jesus himself that we would inherit God's glory that we would be uh, instruments and, 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 and vessels filled with God's glory walking in the abundance that represents the king of kings Lord we pray blessing on every man woman and child here and we pray it generationally not only that we would receive it uh, for our lives but we would establish it for our children and our children's children and our children's children's children, that there would be a covenantal, generational level of prosperity in this place. In Jesus' name, amen.